0: I can't really be a lawyer and a criminal, can I? I want to win. But do I want to win like this?
1: I'm of two minds here. So it's a coin flip. Johnny Vitti was murdered tonight. Falcone crime family has to be taken down. There's only room for one homicidal maniac in this town. Why are you running? You could use a little fun. You didn't hurt people. You thought wrong. You still haven't figured out who killed Johnny Viti. A killer
0: who only works on holidays. There's lots of crazy out there. Once I take him out, things are going to be different. We can start a family. The city has fallen, Alfred. Then we must endeavor to lift it
1: up again. Who is Holiday? And who's next? Do you know what my people call this past year? The Long Halloween. The Holiday Killer's
0: covering his tracks. i here cut a deal. You want Falcone, and I got plenty on him. Heads, I'll take it. Your father went into business with the Roman, and how many innocent lives did he end up trading for it? Where'd you find
1: them? You're not going to like it.
0: When you were coming up, you wouldn't have thought to hire freaks.
1: Times change. It's hard to believe the man who stood on this roof and made that promise would cross the line.
0: Everyone's invited to this party. <laughs>
1: twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder what you're. What is this? Judgment day.
0: Ciao, people, and welcome to our 164th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I am one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and joining me today and returning to the podcast after way too long is the one and only Holly McMillan. Hey, Holly, how are you? And welcome back.
1: Thanks, Nick. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I I can't complain. You know,
0: I just turned 40 uh, a, a day before this, this this today's podcast. And so uh, I'm letting it sink in. I People uh, keep asking me, uh, how does it feel to be 40? And I know it sounds like a very generic and weird answer, but I often turn around and say, I, say, I don't know. It's, I don't feel <laughs> any different. So I guess I still have to come to terms with reaching a new decade in my life.
1: Someone who's a couple years past 40 Yeah there's really no change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So I guess we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing great and very happy to have Good. you back here on the podcast. And this is actually oh. a film that you chose. So uh, yes. I'm very happy that, uh, that we, you get to discuss it with us. Because today, folks, we are discussing Batman, The Long Halloween, both parts, from 2021, directed by Chris Palmer. This was written, by, both parts were written by Tim Sheridan, while the score is by Michael Gatz. And so, Holly, when it comes to first impressions of this film, what did you make of the long Halloween? You're watching the first part and the second part back to back.
1: It had, this is my second time watching it, had been a while since I had first seen it. And it was, it was an, I really enjoyed it. And what kind of drew me to this was the voice acting of Jensen Ackles playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Cause he's always wanted to do this. And then he finally got the goal and I'm just like, all right, he's doing this. I have to check it out. And I enjoyed it, but I don't know about you, but I got a whole lot of Godfather feels.
0: <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> in indeed. This one
1: w- with the, with the intro. And I'm just like, okay guys, where's the Godfather score? I'm waiting for that to drop.
0: It's true. You'd almost expect that they could have had Nino Rota on to provide last Nino Rota to use his score from the Godfather <laughs> movies. But uh, and, and so I guess, were you familiar also with the graphic novel or was this like totally unexplored territory for you when this you sat down to watch total- it?
1: This is totally unexplored territory for me because I wasn't sure at first, but I'm like, I normally, I, normally I kind of figure when they do these movies it's based on a graphic novel, but I didn't have the chance to sit down and, read this one so
0: okay awesome well i have to agree with you i it had been a while since i'd watched this myself granted it only came out last year but um mm-hmm. i'd read the graphic novel way back when and it's ver- i will say it's very true to to the source material for the most part and just like the source material yes it seems like uh We have a very much a godfather feel, or rather um, we get a lot of focus on the crime families, on one of the main crime families in Gotham, which are, of course, the Falcones. And that was also Mm -hmm. uh, part of uh, the recent The Batman movie as well. So you can also tell watching The Batman where they got their inspiration from because there are some things in The Long Halloween which carry over to the Batman film, the the Matt Reeves Batman film. So uh, it, uh, it was great to watch it again. And I will also say... I didn't feel the pacing at all. In a sense, this, the, both parts just rushed by me. I'm like, wow, yes. the first part's already over? So it was mm-hmm. very well, I mean, because there's a lot going on, but I found it was yeah. very well paced, despite, you know, the whodunit mystery and throwing in red herrings and pretty much getting a showcase of all of Batman's rogues gallery, or should we say the, the heavy hitters? I, right, did yeah. like, I did like that. Uh, but the same and the same time i thought to myself wow this is very well paced and uh because mm-hmm. there are times when i'm you know watching something and i might get up to you know either go to the bathroom or get a snack or, re- or reform my drink and i like, would put pause and i'm like wow we're already almost over so it was it's yeah. uh i will commend uh the director palmer for the pacing i thought it was very very well paced did you, oh, did yeah. you find that the same thing
1: yes because i wasn't you know i'm just like okay i'm thinking there's still got to be more movie and it's like wait a minute we're almost done okay bring that part two yeah it just boom. yeah because i think if you... kept you it keeps right. your attention it's not like okay i'm bored what's it kept my attention from the word goal because sometimes I... you run into some of those animated where it's just like okay next plot point please <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is true. This is true because, uh, like you said, it doesn't uh, linger too much on things, and it's like I said, it's well paced, and I very much enjoyed it. And I believe if you combine the two parts together, we're almost looking at a roughly almost a three-hour film. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it works very well. So uh, so I'll definitely commend uh, commend uh, you know uh, Mr. Palmer. Uh, on his direction when it comes to this so uh, let's then start with our characters here looking at our titular character himself the aforementioned jensen apples as bruce wayne batman so holly what did you make of what batman got to do in this story
1: um it was it was good I and mean, he wasn't quite he kind of stayed hands off for a while and then let things play out and then went in and did the action and what kind of surprised me is I know we don't get it till the tail end of the first half and then into the second, the whole thing with poison Ivy. I did not see that little twist (laughs) coming with Falcone in that, but I mean, it was really nicely done and not ham handed or chewing any scenery. It was, you know, Batman being Batman and I loved his comment to Alfred about the Halloween and, yeah, dressing up in costumes or whatever. And then Alfred's like, yeah, uh-huh, you fighting, yeah, dressing up and fighting crime. Uh-huh, sure, mundane, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something to that effect. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you got to love Alfred. <laughs>
0: Oh, you, you certainly do. And I agree because I, you know, I have to be honest. I, I am not, I'm familiar with Jensen's work for the most part. I mean, I've never watched Supernatural, I will have to say. So folks don't come at me for not doing that. I mean, I, I always promised myself I would because it's the kind of show that I'm sure I would be hooked on. Yes. But I, I always promised myself I'd watch it but I never got to watching. And I know, of course, it was pretty much, I think, Jensen's breakout role because after Mm -hmm. that, he started getting all sorts of stuff and he went into other TV shows and what have you. And uh, I think he suits the part very well because he has a great voice for this character. And Mm -hmm. the way way I found it, at least in this version, was it seemed like we're dealing with a Batman who's been Batman for some time, but is still kind of trying to find his way as well. I mean, I guess it's almost like, how could I put it? In right in the middle, so and so he's not yet the super expert, super accomplished Batman, but he's getting there because Mm -hmm. I saw this a lot. In where sometimes he seemed to be a little bit overwhelmed by some of the adversaries that he comes across, and it seems more you know, you made a point of being more of a hands off Batman. I think here we get to see more of the detective, if you will, than the more of the action hero. I mean, he does right. get his action moments. He does get to throw down here and there. But for the most part, this was very much, let's showcase Batman as a detective because of the fact that we're dealing with a murder mystery in the sense of who is the famous holiday killer. And that's basically the the, the premise and the theme throughout both parts of the film is who is this person as Batman kind of navigates um, Gotham City, trying to figure out who this person is. And at the same time, he seems to have a little bit more of, shall we say, allies than he usually does. Because here we have a younger Harvey Dent who not become mm-hmm. 2 faced just yet. And right. of course, Jim Gordon and Alfred helping him out. So there were times... When Batman was fighting and I said to him, and I kept thinking to myself, wow, he got beaten again because usually you see Batman get the upper hand when it comes to his right. villains. But here he got defeated quite a few times in the, should we say, fights, or even when he was dealing with street thugs. It took him a while to get there. So that's why my thought was, is this a Batman still inexperienced and, you know, who's been Batman for maybe a couple of years, two, three years, four at most? And is still trying to find his feet. I don't know, because it seemed that way to me. He didn't seem as expert as, say, the Batman we would see in Batman, the animated series, for example. True. Where You're he would right. be a he- lot more agile and strong. And what have you. So I don't know. I don't know if that was just me or if you felt that way.
1: Yeah, because and I don't think it would be Batman towards the end of his career, like, hey, I want to hang up the suit, because you think he would be a little more wise to, hey, they're going to get the drop on me. You know that, so I think you're right, Nick. I think it's kind of somewhere in between, trying to figure out, okay, do I need to take a little bit of a break and then come back, or do I need to take my breath, regroup, and focus and become the expert pro that I that he becomes down the road. That's what I
0: think, too. But I also think that's maybe why they chose somebody like Jensen Ackles, who's got a beautifully deep voice. But yes. At the same time, you can also hear the youth in his voice. He sounds mm-hmm. younger, if you will, compared to other Batman, you know, Batman bo- voices that we've had, you know, from, like I said, the animated TV sh- uh, show or even, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, OK, this is not like you were saying, The Dark Knight Returns. This is not, uh, you know, the, the voice of Robocop doing him because obviously he'd sound way too old. But right. <laughs> he sounds youthful enough to sound like he's still finding his feet. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was the, that was the impression I got and I think we got more of Batman than we got Bruce Wayne. And clearly I think another example of the fact of he kind of gets hoodwinked pretty easily is you meant like you mentioned Poison Ivy because either Batman has not encountered her yet when it comes to the situation is like the first time he meets Ivy or he still hasn't, shall we say, gauged what Ivy can do in the right. sense that, or she was incredibly clever and just got the drop on him, but usually you right. don't get the drop on Batman. And that's why it seemed a little bit weird to me that she had him in the, in her thralls that you know so deeply. Because usually Batman right. has a backup plan for everything. So I'm like, eh, this this shows inexperience. And so that's that was another right. another telling sign to me.
1: Right. It's like, okay, I'm just like, yeah, I was thinking too with the, I'm agreeing with you, the inexperience, because it's like, okay, for Poison Ivy to have that much of a whammy on him, it's just like, what's going on? Who slipped something into his drink or what kind of kryptonite did he get handed off? Pardon the DC Superman pun, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. That, that that there was that, but other than that, I really enjoyed it and the, it was fun. Kind of following Batman around, if you will, to figure out who the Holiday Killer was. And obviously, when we get the review, which we will talk about, um, I was I was happy with it and I, I enjoyed the journey we went on with Batman for sure. So, uh, anything else about uh, about our titular character Holly before we move to our next ones?
1: Uh, I think I'm good. We can move on to our next group.
0: Okie dokie. So I guess then moving on, let's get to two of Batman's historically staunch allies. We have Billy Burke as Commissioner Gordon and Alistair Duncan as Alfred Pennyworth. So what did you make of these two, Holly?
1: Uh, Alfred, plain old Alfred, you know, <laughs> the I'm here to lend my support. Not try to judge, try to steer you in the right direction, but still let you do what you need to and Gordon oh man what can i say i loved his action and just to see scenes with him and his family and his kids i mean that how that first part in the halloween ep, the first half where he's getting them getting them dressed up going to take them out trick or treating and you know the daughter wanting to be dad and then him putting the badge on her and then the phone call I'm just like darn it come on can he at least have one night off to spend time with the kids (laughs) and just the way he handled things with the investigations as it went was just awesome (laughs)
0: I agree. And I think it here it tells you, I think almost that we're still in the early stages of the Batman story since Barbara Gordon is still a kid. I mean, she's, I mean, granted, she's much younger than Bruce in general, but she's really still, I think, probably what, nine or 10 at this point at most. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, I wouldn't say maybe older than 10. So, um, yeah. So it's clear that obviously time, you know, is, is early-ish in Batman's career because obviously, as we know, and it's spoiler to nobody that uh, Barbara Gordon will eventually become Batgirl. So you think there are a couple more years to go before that happens, depending, I guess, mm-hmm. on what timeline you follow. But so I guess it shows you that yeah, Batman is still in his early career, Barbara is still a, is still a child. And uh I, I agree. I think that uh, and we also we see that Gordon is obviously younger because heck, his his hair hasn't turned white or gray yet. He still has his yeah. nice, nice red hair and, and mustache going on. So he's still pretty youthful. So I will I will agree with you. I love Gordon almost in every incarnation I've seen him in, and here I think Billy Burke did a great job, one with the voice and just making us feel this character who obviously wants to be a good father to his children and a good husband to his wife, but work always seems to get in the way, which seems to be a theme I think in this movie for a few of our characters because we see that Mm -hmm. I think not only with Gordon but also with Harvey Dent to a certain extent as well when it comes to his relationship with. Gilda, and i suppose to a certain extent we could almost make the same point for for carmine falcone when it comes to him wanting to be a dad and trying to balance being a father and a mobster at the same time so yeah it does seem that living the double life and finding time for family is a big problem this duality for a lot of our characters and i think gordon very much wants to be with his parents but with his parents or with his kids but he something always comes up and he's never able to kind of hang out with them. And so I think that very much is on his mind. It very much is the chip on his shoulder, but I love the relationship that him and Batman have. And of course, as in typical fashion, whenever Batman shows up and just quietly disappears and Gordon
1: still hasn't gotten used to that. Yeah. So I think. Like, oh, Where'd he go? Oh, he's gone again. <laughs> I hate that when he does that. <laughs> yeah. So he's still coming to
0: terms with it, but there's already that budding friendship between the two and the fact that they have each other's backs i Mm. love that and of course like you said alfred is alfred i mean he very much is always i think in this case especially more of the surrogate parent and father to bruce Because Mm -hmm. one with the witty humor, like you mentioned, of yeah, what's the deal with Halloween and and kind of, you know, making these very dry, witty comments uh, and and humor with Bruce. But obviously he's taking care of him. He's he's his surgeon. He's his father. He's everything to him. And I love the fact that he still wants to try and keep almost a normal household, like the concept of putting out the getting the chocolates ready for kids when they come to it should they come to wayne manor because it seems like they haven't come for some time and of course at the end of the film uh kids do show up and of all things a kid is actually wearing a batman costume which was kind of a little bit a little bit on the nose but was nice yeah but but i did like that you know that kind of alfred got to give candy out because the poor guy i think he's He's dealing with a with you know a chap who dresses up as a bat and fights crime. I think he's almost looking for normalcy within right. this crazy world and trying to make sense of it, so he doesn't go crazy just dusting the la- the light bulbs for the nth time. So I think, right, trying to find some kind of normalcy within this crazy world, but. Yeah, I, I think both uh, Billy Burke and Alistair Duncan did great jobs with these two historical characters within Batman lore, and uh, it was it w- they were great fun to see. So uh, anything else on these two, Holly, before we move forward?
1: Um, not that I can think of. I mean, it's just kind of interesting, too, with Gordon's relationship, too, with Dent after things take the turn. It's just like... Okay, yeah, can we trust you? You still have the choice, but I'm gonna let you make the choice. And then when Dent turns himself and it was just like, okay, Gordon can breathe a little easier, but still, I think Gordon might have the underlying doubt. It's just like, okay, <laughs> how good of a watch are we gonna need to keep on you at Arkham? <laughs> oh
0: yes there's he's going to be causing problems and then some so i guess then (laughs) moving forward then let's get to another of batman's allies and love interest of course we have the late great naya rivera as selena kyle Uh catwoman and sadly of course i believe naya passed away shortly before this film came out because mm-hmm. or actually, well, I think she got to do all her parts, but then obviously passed away tragically at such a young age. It was very, very sad, but she did a great job with this, with this character. And speaking of which uh, Holly, what did you make of Selena?
1: I, I liked her. I mean, it was just, I mean, I kind of knew some of Selena's background from the Gotham TV show. I'm not sure how closely that ties to the comics. So I, wasn't too surprised but just i mean just the witty little interplay and flirt and digs that she would sometimes give to bruce was just i mean he needed it <laughs> to keep him on his toes and then later towards the end with the reveal that she might or is a Falcone, just kind of like okay did not see that coming but it's just like okay, this is interesting. This is going to make, if she does get invited to Thanksgiving dinner, this is going to make it real <laughs> interesting. But, you know, it was it was good to see her in action and trying to help Bruce out in this situation. I mean, considering how many moving parts and how many cast of characters we had coming in, either allies or like you were saying the rogues gallery it's just like they did an awesome job because they could have gotten bogged down <laughs> in a hurry real quick
0: oh totally and also you know that's why you know in preparation for this podcast i thought to myself should we discuss all these all these folks or not but i mean i guess at the end of the day they're almost i don't want to say inconsequential but they kind of are in the sense it's almost like a bonus for batman fans as in you get the right. joker you get solomon grundy you get a little bit of penguin you get uh, uh the mad hatter you get the you know tons and it's amazing how they all show up at some point but i think they're mainly almost they're almost just causing trouble rather than being shall we say a focus it's almost like an extra right. distraction for batman to have to deal with on a very big. you know just shows you what a busy man he is because he's dealing with everybody seemingly all at once but uh, when it came to Catwoman I agree I mean here of course we we have the the the, the moments when I suppose Bruce and Selina are very much a thing and and I see uh-huh. I guess from what it's implied is they have been kind of dating for a while and what have you because I believe Bruce actually knows that who Selina is and I believe Selina knows the same for the most right. part, from what I, if, if I recall correctly, but, and she's often saving his bacon, more often right. than not. Mm-hmm. That's why it seems, that's why once like, again. Thank you, inex-
1: sweetie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, it shows, I think the, inex- I mean, because usually we know Batman as being usually a, a one-man show for the most part, if you don't obviously have Robin around or Nightwing showing up or Batgirl. But here it very much seemed like, she was—I wouldn't call her a sidekick. She was very much his partner in this because yeah. he was literally saving him hither and yon whenever things got a little bit heated. Case in point: if she hadn't shown up, he would never been got. He would never gotten rid of uh, poison ivy, for example, and. Uh, yeah. But at, the, but at the same time she's balancing the whole thing of being a jewel thief as well because heck she hasn't stopped stealing she's still in no. stealing and doing her thing so i guess you, you know she just uh, has to you know i guess a girl has to eat so i suppose that's what mm-hmm. she's got to do but and I did kind of like-
1: looks the other way i'm like yeah i'll let you do this every now and again but try to stay on the straight and narrow <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes for sure and uh I have to be honest, I'd actually forgotten where, you know, because I read the the, uh, the comics or the graphic novel so long ago, and when I rewatched this to get a refresher, I'd forgotten that they were exploring the concept of Selina possibly being uh, Carmine Falcone's daughter, because that's also another thing that is explored in the Batman film, in the Matt Reeves Batman film, and that's a big uh, plot point in the Batman film. So uh, once again, it, w- it was interesting seeing this, Uh, so shortly since i'd actually watched the batman and i was like oh okay so this is a thing and yes in the comics it is a thing or rather it was introduced later on that uh selena may actually have been um Falcone's daughter and here where they she made it they made it a, a bit of a plot point in the sense that she wanted revenge or wanted to actually talk to him it's like you know i'm your long lost daughter you never sort of acknowledged me whatsoever and so She kind of got that moment, but kind of didn't, which was a bit sad. But I Mm -hmm. did like I did uh, I did like what what Catwoman did. Like I said, she's she's mostly saving Batman for the most part. That's what she does in this film. When you know when when they're not having these tender moments, she's pretty much saving his butt constantly. And I think he very much needed somebody like her in his life, especially at this stage of his life, because one, you know, he seems like he's a little bit over his head, and two. He, you know, aside from Gordon and Alfred and stuff, you know, you kind of need somebody like Selena in the field who will help you out. And they work, I think they work very, very well together. And Nayori Vera yeah. did, did a great job with this, with mm-hmm. this character for sure. Uh, so yeah. uh, anything else on Catwoman, uh, Holly?
1: Um, No, I mean, just even too, when she was towards the end, I mean, when she tried to save Carmine's other daughter, you know, And then it doesn't work. I mean, you could tell she tried. It wasn't like, I'm going to get my revenge. You know, you got recognized. I didn't. And so, I mean, kudos to her for trying to make things work and save a family member. And you're right. The partnership with her and Batman, because sometimes when you have that family group, batman with gordon and alfred sometimes you really don't want to listen to that advice and the only time you'll listen is if somebody else tells you the exact same thing and it's just like you know and you have a family member i was telling you that six months ago but no you wouldn't listen but then when this person says it yeah you'll do it this <laughs> sort of sort of thing so in a way it's good to have those other sounding sounding boards
0: I think so too. All righty. Well, then I guess so. Moving on, then we can get to the dark side of the table. Starting with two members of our mobster family, the Falcones. We have Jack Wade as Alberto Falcone and Lila Berzan as Sofia Falcone. So, what did you make of our two two siblings here, Holly, Alberto and Sofia?
1: Um, Alberto, oh, oh boy, poor poor guy. You know, dad's like, okay, you can go to college. And then Carmine just chastises him up one end and down the other. And I'm just like, okay, Carmine, if the Godfather is in universe for you, if you haven't sat down and watched it, I wouldn't be berating Alberto. He could pull a Fredo or something, and you're going to be in a world of trouble and almost happens when elders like, yeah, I talked to so-and-so to find out. And it's just like, okay, Alberto, good on you, but not the best move. <laughs> I know you're trying to help, but it's not going to end well for either of you. And then and Sophia, I mean, you know, trying to please dad. I mean, you know, sometimes in those families, it's just like, Daughters don't have part in the business, but, you know, she wants to help and she's probably had to clean up some messes, you know, and being the diligent daughter. So. And trying to protect, protect dad from anybody coming in.
0: So. This is true. And I do wonder where the fact that she's called Sophia might be known to Sophia Coppola, possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of obviously, like you said, the Godfather, which is very heavily, should we say, um, it, it's very homaged here. I think, especially yes. when it comes to to Carmine looking very much like Don Vito. So yes, uh, oh yes. So I think to myself, hmm. I wonder whether when the characters were first written, whether someone was like, yeah, let's throw in a Sofia Falcone because of Sofia Coppola, of course, from Godfather mm-hmm. Part Three. But or so- <laughs> who was
1: reading Mario Puzo when they were putting this together?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so. I think we had fans of uh, fans of the Godfather on our hands. But I think these are clear example. You know, you we mentioned uh, Selena being one of, of Carmine's kids. Carmine is a terrible father in general because Alberto <laughs> and Sofia don't get treated much better either. I mean, especially Alberto, no. who uh, kind of I guess he could almost be seen to a certain extent. If We want to use the Godfather comparison. Almost like a Fredo on one part and almost a Michael on the other, in the sense mm-hmm. he wants to break away from his family. I mean, before obviously yes. Michael gets involved in the family business, Alberto mm-hmm. wants to be more of a scholar, I think, and just do the whole university thing. I mean, case in point, whenever his father's discussing business, the guy's constantly doing crossword puzzles. So you uh-huh. wonder you wonder whether either that's a coping, I think it's a coping mechanism, I have a feeling. Mm-hmm almost like to de-stress. He does crossword puzzles because, obviously, being yep. part of the, this huge, you know, mobster family must not be an easy situation. Not to mention no. his father. I think he because he, he, he feels totally unloved, and whenever he tries to say something or do something, his father lashes out and pretty much beats him an inch of his life, within an inch of his right. life. So it's a it's a tough situation, and uh, I guess. He, he, as I said before, he very much wants to break away. I have to be honest, at first, I was a little bit suspicious of him as possibly being the holiday killer. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, I, but, you know, I guess yeah. then they, 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 it was well written then in the case that I suppose they, what the writers wanted us to suspect Alberto because of he's so unwanted, he has, all, you know, very valid MO and MO to want to be the holiday killer and get back at Falcone and what have you so... It was it was well played yeah he comes to a terribly grisly end i was shocked i was yeah. like wow that's how alberto goes out okay yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. wow <laughs> i uh-huh. felt really bad i felt really bad for him as i felt bad for sophia who is a very doting daughter she very much ad- oh, loves yeah. her father the fact that you know she shows up and wants to give him the present i believe for father's day and it's a tie and he barely yeah. has time for her not to mention here i think we deal with a situation where Uh, Her father's like, "Oh, we can't have women having places, you know, positions of power in our family. You have to stay out the door, and you know, be Mm -hmm. be your own woman." So, I think once she feels completely, I I, you know, not bad, not validated at all by her father, and at the same time, she she's just very depressed and very sad about it all because she clearly loves him. Unlike Alberto, who just I think has grown to resent and hate his father. And so it's it's a difficult situation. And uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe more interaction between the siblings, if you yes. will. Mm-hmm. But um, we didn't get enough. I, I guess maybe if they did that, we'd be here all day. But um, right. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see. And I really felt bad for Sofia as well, because all she wanted, like I suppose Alberto was, to be recognized and to be seen, as they say today, and just to be loved by, by their father. And they just you know, end up uh, end up tragically being murdered and killed in very gruesome ways. So it's a it's a pity for both of them, Uh, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, I guess I I guess it's uh, that's the way that's what happens when you're part of a mobster family. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) so anything else on these two, Holly, before we get to uh, their father? No, I think we can move on to Papa Falcone. (laughs) Okay, cause (laughs) coming up next. We're going to get to the Godfather himself. We have Titus Welliver as Carmine, the Roman Falcone. So, uh, what did you make of him, Holly?
1: Oh, I mean, if it, I mean, very much an homage to Mr. Corleone from The Godfather. I mean, even kind of when the intro comes up from the first part of the longer night with just the chalk drawing. It's like, okay, how are we going to do this? Are we going to get the marionette <laughs> type <laughs> chalk drawing? I mean, I can see where Carmine's. Yes. He's trying to protect Alberto and Sophia, but I mean, he's going about it the wrong way. Yes. You want your son being educated. No, your son's not not paying attention while doing the crosswords i mean <laughs> if it if him going to another person to try to get help and you're gonna chastise them for it <laughs> for telling family secrets out of pocket to get help i mean come on the boy is trying to pay attention and help out <laughs> and sophia i mean she even tries to put a stop to her dad getting killed I mean, give the girl some credit. <laughs> give her a little, give her some time a day saying, hey, you, the ladies can have a seat at the table. <laughs> so.
0: I, I very much agree. And, you know, I think had Carmina listened to both his, his kids, um, he probably would not have ended up dead. I mean, because, especially Sofia, because she's the one who's kind of telling him, you, 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 the fact that you're now fraternizing with these homicidal maniacs yes Mm -hmm. she's like maybe that not might might not be the right direction to go into father because these are questionable people one they're completely mental and two they could murder you at the drop of a hat so right she's she's so she's clearly seeing i think that that carmina is is slipping maybe somewhat or the fact he's getting so desperate that he's turning to the worst of the worst when it comes to the criminals in Gotham city that she's clearly seeing that uh, he he's just getting too desperate and he probably might end up getting sloppy and might end up getting killed because of it, which happens. And, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't care. I think either it's just up to pride because he's a very prideful man. And he's like, I built this empire with my own two hands and I can do this. I'm not too old. And he often, I think questions the fact of maybe getting old and maybe he's uh, He's um, in denial about possibly getting old and getting slow, if you will, not being as quick witted and smart as he used to be, because I believe he actually brings that point up at some point with with people saying, you know, am I getting old? And he's maybe a little bit worried about that. And plus, I think he's also concerned that he doesn't have anybody to pass the torch on to because he would have wanted Alberto to be his uh, his heir until Alberto decided to become a bookworm and not be, you know, the kind of son he wanted. And he, though he actually wishes that Bruce Wayne were his son, which is the worst thing to say when your actual son is yes. there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. And the look yeah. on Alberto's face when he's like, I want to welcome, like, a son I never had, Bruce Wayne, to the stage. I'm like, oh, <sighs> no. I felt yeah. so bad for Alberto. Like, mm-hmm. Is this the moment we get the redeeming moment for Carmine and Alberto to actually be a father and son? Nope. And that was, nope. I think that was, I think the, the kind of the last straw literally when he did that. And the fact that yeah. he doesn't see any value in his own children is right. awful. I mean, he, he says he loves them, but like you said, he goes by, he, sh- he has a very odd way of showing love. I mean, uh-huh. Or maybe the values that he expects from his kids aren't the values that they possess, and I mean, one, you know, her, her, the problem is she's a woman, so oh, zero value because she's a woman, so she can never sit at the table, which is like okay, but a little bit, uh, you know, kind of old school there, father, but never mind. But and at the same time, you know, he ca- he can't stand this nerdy son that he's got, so I think he's very desperate about the fact of. I don't have anybody to pass the torch on to when I die. Who's going to manage the kingdom when I'm gone? And so I think that is kind of weighing on his mind a little bit as well, other than watching his back for the million enemies he has and the holiday killer amongst them. So he's got a lot on his plate, but at the same time, the solutions are right there. If he allowed himself to be a little bit more flexible and not so stuck in his ways... So mm-hmm. I think that's the I think that's the main problem here is there's very much that thing of one, not not acknowledging that he's the kids for the gifts that they have. And secondly, just being too prideful and just to, you know, feels that he can he can manage. So it, it, there is that. And I did like the um, the, the homage both to Vito Corleone and I guess to some extent um, Al Capone as well, with the fact of the scar face, literally having his face kind of scarred on one side of right. his cheek. Guards, I'm like, Mm ah, I see what they did there, and yeah, and I guess it's um, the fact that they call him the Roman, I thought that was interesting. Not only because obviously Rome being the capital of Italy, but and of course, you get to play with stuff like the Roman Empire, but we very much know what happened to the Roman Empire, they got sloppy, they got lazy, and the Uh barbarians came in, and the Roman Empire was gone. So, I'm sure there's something in that as well. That's that's oh, yeah. that's my thought, but I, I I enjoyed him, and I was like, yeah, he's this guy's going to die eventually, and die he did. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, I think uh, Titus Welliver did a great job with this
1: character. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, right? you did see some glimmers of a little bit of caring from Carmine, but not a whole lot. I mean, I was even surprised that Alberto and Sophia didn't decide to team up and like, hey, here's what Dad said about Bruce Wayne. Let's Try to team up and take him out of the him out <laughs> the of the picture. picture. So dad doesn't have a choice; he's got to pick one of the one of the two of us. So I mean, yeah. that could have caused an interesting angle there. <laughs> it went that route.
0: Yeah, hence the fact of had they presented maybe a united front to their father in some form or shape, maybe something would have been would have been accomplished. I don't know, but also I think the problem with with uh, with as well is the fact that. He also has to keep up appearances in the sense that, you know, when he's in his board meetings with all these, you know, very stereotypical mobsters, it's very much that thing of, if I do something, you know, something that's untoward, they'll laugh at me and they'll think that I'm strange or that I'm weird or that I've lost it. Case in point, having a woman sit at the table or show any kind of affection towards my son Alberto or this kind of stuff. So maybe there's also that of I can't show weakness in the eyes of my fellow mobsters or my goons, if you will, you know, the ones that are just sitting around drinking, smoking and laughing, and not really doing mm-hmm. anything else than other than that. But the only, I think, kind of genuinely warm moment we have, which lasts like two seconds, is when Carmine is making uh, sauce for spaghetti. That's pretty yep. much the <laughs> only time where he's like happily yeah. cutting the cutting the the, the 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 vegetables up and giving kind of these these words of wisdom to his son of how you make a good sauce. But that doesn't last uh-huh. too long because then everything goes to hell. But uh, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. And I kind of felt so bad when when that little sort of idyllic moment came to an end because you're like, oh, there's going to be a nice moment for a father and son to to bond over making good Italian food. It's a shame. It's a shame. But I, I guess he makes a mean sauce other than being a horrible yep. father. He probably <laughs> makes it an excellent pasta sauce. So I will give him that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> anything else on the Roman, the Holly, before we get to our last two characters?
1: Um, not that I can think of. I mean, the storyline for him, you know, wrapped up, you know, like you were saying, very prideful. And how is that old saying go? Great pride comes with a great fall. <laughs> and the great fall did happen.
0: Oh, yes. Very well said indeed. So I guess then we can round off our characters and our villains with our two main ones. Because Folks, if we discussed all of them, you'd be getting a five-hour podcast and, you know, we respect your time listening to us. So we have our two, ma- two main villains, I think, in this story. We have, of course, Josh DeMel as Harvey Dent Two-Face, the Holiday Killer, spoilers, not really, or well, partly, and Judy Nathanson <laughs> as Gilda Dent, the Holiday Killer, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess a uh-huh. couple that sticks together, slays together. But... Um, oh, Yeah. <laughs> So that said, Holly, what did you make of Harvey Dent, Two-Face, and Gilda?
1: Um, Harvey Dent and Two-Face, I mean, it was neat to see this origin story for Two-Face because I can remember the Two-Face and I think it was the Dark Knight Rises for the movie, if a memory serves. And Gilda, I really fell for her. It's just like, okay, she's going to start running off to somebody else Harvey if you don't start paying attention to her well and lo and behold (laughs) we find out later on down the line that oh yeah she and Alberto had a little little thing and Carmine wasn't too pleased about it and it's just like oh okay so things are coming full (laughs) coming full circle it's like ah and I too just the fact that You know, yes, Harvey was part of being the holiday killer, but trying to protect Gilda. I mean, you could tell that Bruce kind of figured things out, but was just like, okay, yeah. Harvey, we know you're even admitting Two-Face has too much of a control over you. Probably best to have you behind bars. And then Batman showing, and Bruce showing compassion to Gilda, like, okay, yes, you had a part in it too, but we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We think you're going to change your ways. We aren't going to turn you in. <laughs> You've had enough pain and that to live with. You don't need to <laughs> be behind bars to do some more about it.
0: Now, in fact, it's a good, good point that you raised that. because I actually was going to ask you, Holly. So do you think that this point... Bruce leaves Gilda alone and doesn't arrest her. Cause she asks him, you know, are you going to arrest me? And he kind of doesn't answer, kind of walks up the stairs and leaves, if you will. So
1: right. do
0: you think that, uh, do you think he did the right thing in not, uh, arresting her or bring her to the, the authorities?
1: I think so. I think he's kind of doing like what the doctor does is he gives them a warning, gives them a second chance. They goof up. Hammer's going to drop. So I think that's what he's, he's doing. He's going to have eyes out watching her to see how she acts. And she stays on the straight and narrow. No problem. But if holiday killer somehow returns and Harvey's safe behind bars and no way for him to pop in and out, then I think he, all eyes are going to be on Gilda and, you know, there's going to be trouble to pay. <laughs> Mm, I I think
0: so too and uh, yeah and uh, were you surprised with the reveal that uh, Gilda and Harvey were the the holiday killers if you will because I guess they kind of almost split duties if you will
1: I was a little surprised I mean I kind of thought Okay, maybe, but then I was thinking, ah, maybe that's a red herring and maybe it's one of the other rogues gallery, or like we were thinking in the beginning, maybe it was Alberto. And then when the main reveal, I'm like, okay, I can buy it. (laughs) So it was a little surprising.
0: Yeah, because it's once again it shows you how in how long I haven't uh, read this story because I totally forgotten who the holiday killer was at the end of the day and you know when uh, Harvey you know when Two Face has be- Harvey has become Two Face and he's kind of get t- gets taken away uh, and it kind of ends there almost and I was thinking to myself wait did we catch the holiday killer was right. Two Face the holiday killer until of course we got that big scene with bruce and gilda where she's obviously burning the holiday costume if you will and just literally spilling the beans to batman so uh i i guess as we said because she says ah you kind of guessed all along didn't you and he was like yeah i, I knew and what have you or he's very smug about it I was like oh mm-hmm. so it was gilda and so i was i was kind of surprised but i kind of almost didn't put it past her either in retrospect because Right. I suppose looking at Gilda before we, before I, I discuss Harvey here, she, there is something a little bit off when it comes to her, because at first I yeah. thought to myself, is Judy Nathanson playing her, you know, in that, this kind of meek, mild way, because she seemed very sort of monotone, very sort of, should we say very, not very subtle, very demure almost. And the point uh-huh. where you can tell that it's eating her heart out that. Harvey isn't there or was present as she'd like him to be. And the fact that, you know, she'd had a child and she'd lost it. And then I believe she couldn't have children anymore. And so Mm -hmm. that was the fact that she wanted to be a mother and, you know, still pining and sad over the child that she lost with Alberto is eating her up inside, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like she's living in a particularly fulfilled marriage. I mean, I it didn't. It, I guess she cared no. for Harvey more than loved him. That was the impression right. I got because she's yeah. always like by herself. She didn't seem particularly affectionate to to him. It was Harvey who was kind of trying not to lose her before he became too. Big. It's like, oh, let's go inside and watch a black and white movie and just chill out and have a good time, and you know, we'll be a family by the time you know when all this is over when obviously the whole uh falcone case was over and uh she doesn't seem to buy it and that's why i said there's something almost removed from her almost sociopathic if you will the fact that she's very very had her feelings very close to the chest there seemed a lot of sadness there and moroseness but there was also something almost detached so i was like "Mm, Mm hmm is there more to this but i at first i almost uh, put it down to julie julie nathanson is just a very flat voice actress which she isn't it's just the fact yeah. that gilda is just so removed from reality and possibly still traumatized by yeah. losing her kid and everything else so i liked that i was like wow that makes so much sense because now if you go and re-watch it i think you get so much more knowing that gilda is the holiday killer you know seeing the right. way she acts and the way she behaves and what have you so I, I thought that was great. That was very clever. And uh Josh Demel, I was su- I was surprised yes. that of all people Josh Demel voiced this yes. guy. I, mm-hmm.
1: mean, I mean I know Josh Demel from Las- from the TV series Las Vegas and you know his character is kind of the happy-go lucky little bit goofy. So for him to play this dramatic as Harvey Dent and Two-Face, I'm just like, okay, yep, he's got the he's got the acting chops. Oh, along yes. with the voice chaps
0: yeah yeah it was, it was very well chosen and i like that we delved so much into the psychology of the character like they did in the um the animated series which is among my one some of my favorite episodes of batman the animated series is the two-face origin story because i was very close to this and the fact that's already in this case that harvey's already dealing with two-face in his mind because we obviously often hear Two-Face kind of bark orders at him or say things to him and kind of throwing Harvey off his game. So he's clearly been dealing with this psychological problem for a while, while at the same time, I guess, trying to be Gotham's white knight, if you will, as in being the attorney and taking down the criminals and what have you. And once again, just like Gordon, trying to be there for Gilda and being there with her. But I think their marriage is already almost dead. When we... When we first see them, because as I said, it seems to me that Harvey is more in love with Gilda than Gilda is in love with Harvey. Yes, and, and he's trying to g- kind of almost grasping at straws or grasping almost at her because I think he maybe knows in his mind he might have already lost her, and they're literally right. living a living a lie, if you will. That's mm-hmm. con- that's the idea I got at least. But um, yeah, it, unless Gilda had seen Harvey, you know, flip out and 2 Face almost come out before he came out externally because she mentions i believe that she knew <clears throat> that harvey was doing weird things so she felt to herself. right ah, he's being weird i'll be weird and so right she decided to do this so maybe they stayed together because of both having this double side to themselves because maybe right. also gilda suffers from uh, multiple personality disorder, possibly. I don't know. Right. Did you? What did you that make could, of that?
1: Well, that could be, or they could both be playing the, where, two, where Harvey's just like, okay, he kind of knows the thing with the holidays, so he's trying to protect her and make sure she doesn't go over the edge by trying to keep her close. And maybe Gilda's the same way, where she knows he's been acting strange, but not knowing really how far to go, to keep him close because with his job and maybe she knew well and then you know facing what she did with the loss of the child and that maybe she's just like I really can't can I go to Gordon can I go to Batman and say hey here's what I think and have Harvey completely flip out <laughs> and lose it there too so who knows <laughs> I think they're both kind of fighting a lost battle. He wants to hang on. She knows she's losing him, but it's like, how hard should I fight to yeah. keep this going?
0: <laughs> it's true. Cause I mean, I think these are almost the, mo- almost the most profound characters in this whole story. I mean, you- one could literally dedicate a podcast episode to solely these two characters and their mm-hmm. relationship, because I think, from a psychological perspective a psychologist would have a field day just oh, analyzing yeah. harvey and gilda as a couple and the whole thing of they're both they're both cre- they're both serial killers and they're both doing all this stuff so it's fascinating i think how they did this and i hope that some point maybe in the movies or something we might get this version of gilda dent or even of, you know, or a new version of Two Face with uh, the, as I said the Matt Reeves films. You know, if uh, hopefully mm-hmm. more will be made, I know that a second one is in the works. Will probably feature Joker more than it does Two Face, but um, it's it's fascinating, and I absolutely love that. And I I, I uh, didn't see it coming when it came to Gilda, but I liked it because it wasn't obvious, and. I suppose also you could almost see this always Gilda is a cry for attention and help when it comes to Gilda murdering all these people, almost like she wants to be discovered. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, you know, Harvey's not giving me the attention that I would like to get. And plus I'm dealing with the trauma from losing a kid and a failed relationship with Alberto Falcone and all this kind of thing. So it almost could be a cry of attention as well. It could go so many ways. That's the beauty of this. so many ways but maybe that that's also what it is it's also just a cry for attention like oh nobody's paying attention to me i'll just go out and murder people Mm -hmm. i don't know but uh, but it was fascinating so i um i really enjoyed these two characters especially and uh, being a big fan of two-face when he's played right and done right this is the kind of stuff you get and it was fabulous so um holly anything else on this movie before we get to ratings
1: Um, if anybody's on the fence about watching it, because it's two parts, it's well worth watching it. It goes by fast. And I think supposedly they did a digital version where they mashed both of them together. I haven't had a chance to sit down to watch it to see if the editing's any different or if it just goes and they just cut out the credits, the end credits in between. So it's, It's most definitely worth uh, worth a watch.
0: I'm right there with you, you know, uh, having really enjoyed the graphic novel at the time, I think they very much did justice to the graphic novel, just like they did with the Dark Knight Returns. And just like they did with a couple of other ones. In fact, there are a couple of titles that we will be actually looking at, which Holly has suggested but more on that later down the line, folks. Because uh, I, and I definitely have to commend Holly for opening the doors to the animated side of our superhero movies because we hadn't yet explored those. So it's, uh, we're very glad that uh, you brought that up, Holly, and that we get to do these these films. Indeed. So uh, let's then get to ratings. What do you give Batman the Long Halloween out of ten?
1: I gave it a nine and a half out of ten. I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean for the fantasy or for the gore and that it was actually it was a lot better than what i what i expected it was going to be because sometimes we get into the anime sometimes we get a little heavy-handed depending on what you watch but i mean it was it was good i mean there was some parts i wish we would have had a little bit more of an explanation too but then it might have made it too long and then I don't know how well it would have affected with the pacing I mean other than that I loved it and I'm glad we didn't get all the we just got little you know oh here's some of the rogues gallery and it wasn't a bogged down rogues gallery night table let's (laughs) nice to the round table let's see what we can do to bring down Batman (laughs)
0: Yeah. Cause there are the stories where Batman has to deal with the large part of the Rogues gallery, you know, to kind of wear him down. But uh, I agree with you. I'm going to give this eight and a half out of 10. I Thoroughly enjoyed it. As I mentioned before, I thought it was a great adaptation. I plus loving a film noir and loving a gangster story. This was right up my alley. So I was very happy with that and being a Godfather fan and just a fan of mobster movies. It was great to kind of pick out the various references to you know gangster films in general. So I thought that I had a great time doing that. So and yeah and also like we mentioned at the top of this review, I think that uh, it it was really well paced. Chris Palmer did a fantastic job directing this and then pacing it. So uh, I I wasn't bored in the slightest. On the contrary, I was shocked. It just uh, it just flew by. So uh, great job indeed so i guess that is our movie folks and if you want to be like the wonderful holly and uh, join us here on the podcast or share your thoughts in writing on the films we discuss you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com once again that email is happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com if you feel to show your support by giving us a like on facebook where you'll find us as happiness and darkness or follow us on twitter or at high darkness pod also if you'd like to support the podcast feeling generous you can check out the great tiers we have going on on patreon they will be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies or even just films inspired by comics like road to perdition or i kill giants or death note or even films which inspired comics such as the aliens franchise robocop terminator and more check all out and join our army of patrons head on over to patreon.com happiness and darkness and a big thank you to all our wonderful patrons for their support so uh, Holly, when you're not here discussing superhero movies with me, where can folks find you on the interwebs?
1: You can find me as one fifth of the five ish fangirls. You can find us on Facebook at the five ish fangirls on our website, the five And you can find me personally at Holly underscore 79 on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Fantastic. And uh folks, when it comes to me, uh, for you country music lovers, you can find me hosting the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play today's country, traditional country and everything else in between. More about that, we um, visit our website. That's whiskey and cigarettes Podcast-wise, speaking of the five-ish fangirls, myself, a Rachel Friend from said podcast, and Zan Sprouse can be found on Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast, where we are going through all the Best Picture winners in chronological order from 1927's Wings to the present day. And actually, as of this recording, in two weeks' time, we'll be hitting the 90s, so it's crazy how far we've already come with, of course, Dances with Wolves, which I know both Zan and Rachel are really excited about. Not really, but <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, friend of the podcast, Charles Skaggs and I can be found on the Fandom Zone podcast, where we recently wrapped up our reviews of *Shiokatani Law* and *The Sandman*, and we'll soon be going back to *Titans Tower* as uh, the fourth seasons of *Titans* and *Doom Patrol* will be starting at the beginning of November. And uh, that's of course *Titan Talk*, the Titans podcast. And speaking of things to come on this show, next time we'll be taking on the 2005 Brett Leonard film man thing that said holly thank you so much as always for joining us it was a pleasure to have you on as always and we definitely look forward to having you back very soon
1: thank you for having me it was it's been a blast (laughs) looking forward to coming back
0: oh we definitely look forward to having you back sooner rather than later that said folks thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us we will see you next time with man thing until then stay super ciao my people